Chapter 6 Halting steps sounded in the tunnel nearby, and Samara looked up in interest. She nodded when Stefan came around the corner, and watched in sympathy as he dropped onto one of the benches with a groan. Bad shift? She, on the one day of twelve she was given off, had been cleaning and stacking the pitifully small stockpile of weapons they had. They increased quota again. He wiped a hand over his brow, leaving a smear of black dust. He stared up at the ceiling, and Samara recognized his expression all too well. It was the one she wore after the most brutal shifts, when the managers had been freer than normal with their batons, or when the rickety infrastructure had taken limbs or lives. It was the expression that said she was not going to let this break her. The warlord wanted them too tired to do anything but fall into bed, and certainly too tired to fight in the resistance. Too many times, it worked. Samara had watched countless friends and family whisper about joining the resistance, only to have the fire in their eyes fade to desperation, and from there to exhaustion. It frightened her that someday she, too, might lose the will to fight. Where's Arlen? Stefan was staring at the ceiling. Shouldn't he be helping you with this? We fought, Samara said shortly. What? Stefan sat up quickly. What happened? It's not important. The last gun clattered as she put it on the pile harder than she needed to. Forty-seven guns. If that weren't what they were hinging their fight on, it would be genuinely funny. It was fucking hysterical that they were trying to take on a man with unlimited mercenaries. With forty-seven guns. Especially when calling them guns was being generous with the word. The truth was, some of them would be better used as blunt objects. Samara, what's going on? Stefan sat up and made to haul himself out of his chair. Don't get up. Rest. Samara went to get him some water and rations from the cabinet in the corner. Do we have food to spare? He looked worried as she came back with it, but she could also see him physically holding himself back from snatching the food out of her hands. We have to use the resources we've got today, or we might not make it till tomorrow, Samara said practically. She pressed the rations into his hand. An empty storage locker and strong fighters are worth more to us than rations in the locker, and our fighters too weak to hold a gun. Right? He nodded jerkily. He was still holding the ration in an open hand, as if the restraint it took him to hold back was one of the only things keeping him from collapse. Eat, Samara said. She turned away and stacked the guns more neatly while he ate, so that he wouldn't feel like he had to be dignified about it. She heard him gulp the water and give a sigh of exhaustion. So what's this about a fight with Arlen? Samara paused. We need more weapons. And? He forbid it. We do need more weapons. I wanted to try contacting some of the trafficking syndicates off-world. Samara looked over at him. She hoped against hope he would say that she was right, that off-world was where they needed to go. She hoped he would say that he'd been thinking about it, that he'd come to the same conclusion. It was clear they couldn't scrounge enough scraps from the Warlord's Guard to mount an effective campaign. Instead, he asked, What did Jacinta say? Had you asked her about that? Samara tensed. This was what Arlen had said, too. She said it was too risky. Ah. Stefan stared at her, the single syllable hanging between them. Jacinta was careful, and now she's dead and we're what's left. But Samara did not say that. She bit her lip almost until it bled, and she reminded herself that Jacinta had trusted Arlen more than any of them. I'm sure we'll figure something out. She had to force herself to say the words. Ah. Stefan said again and it was a carefully neutral sound. Samara stared around the cave, willing there to be some other chore for her to do. There wasn't. 
She went and sat near Stefan and folded her hands neatly between her knees. Have you heard from Aaron? Stefan asked suddenly. Samara tensed. This was, if possible, the one thing she wanted to discuss even less than Arlen's recalcitrance. It was two years since she had last seen Aaron Baranek, as her friend left Emer for a life of luxury beyond their wildest dreams. Aaron had had the chance to escape, and Samara had never once doubted that she did the right thing when she encouraged Aaron to go. It was just that most of her heart had left with her. It turned out it was pretty easy to keep to the no-spouse-and-kids rule the Resistance had when the person you were madly in love with was gone forever. Thinking about Aaron was like pressing on a bruise. Samara's hands clenched. Whether anyone had known they were lovers, she wasn't sure. It would have been strictly forbidden, of course. Probably didn't matter now, but she didn't want Stefan's pity. I haven't talked to her in a while, she said shortly. Maybe she could- No, just one word. Sending Aaron away had been the hardest thing she had ever done, but the woman was safe now. Samara wasn't going to draw her back to Emer, not for anything. She had joined the resistance to protect the people she loved. We'll find another way, she swallowed. Arlen will find another way, she corrected to herself. Ah, Stefan said again. Two hours of sparring, one very questionable dinner for McIntola Station, and a gigantic stack of paperwork later, Talon still could not settle enough to sleep. He hadn't been able to relax since they turned towards Seneca. He should be able to. He'd made a decision that had clearly been coming down the pipeline for a while. He would have guessed he'd be calm, if anything. He had finally realized that he couldn't live with waiting for an opening. He would make one on his own. But he wasn't calm. He was keyed up. He was already exhausted by the conversation with the head of intelligence, and he hadn't even had it yet. There was a knock at his door, and Talon looked over. Come. He had guessed it would be Tercy, wondering why on earth Talon had started doing paperwork all of a sudden, but instead it was Nick's. Can I come in? Sure. Talon gestured for her to sit on the bed. The captain's quarters were nice, but there still wasn't enough room for two chairs. Dragon ships were fast and sleek, and all of the spare room went to an armory and training grounds. She hovered instead of sitting, leaning against the wall and crossing her arms. Talon rarely saw Nick's upset. She was a calming force on the ship where she had a way of untangling budding disputes between team members, and in combat, where she seemed to make sense of the chaos. It had taken him the better part of a year to realize that when she got especially quiet, she was worried. But now he knew, and seeing her like this put him on alert. Problem? She looked surprised for a moment. I was going to ask you the same thing. Talon leaned back in his chair and tilted his head at her curiously. What you said to Lizadi. She lifted her shoulders. What she said to you, too. Everything about that, really. Wanted to see where your head was at. Talon considered this. What exactly about what I said to Lizadi? Any attempt to take Emer would take civilian lives. Her eyes were watchful as she quoted him. You heard me say that I knew it was what they thought, right? There was a time when you wouldn't even have brought it up. She didn't stop when he opened his mouth. No, you wouldn't have, and you know it. You would have said there was no good reason to hold back, and they were a bunch of spineless idiots. They are a bunch of spineless idiots. I'm not disagreeing. Her teeth flashed in a smile. I'm saying the thought that comes to your mind first in all of this is the cost on civilians during the op. That's new. Talon's fingers clenched involuntarily around the arms of the chair. He was suddenly quite sure that he didn't want to know where this was going. There was a sense of danger about it, that something about him had shifted when he wasn't watching. He got the feeling that he wasn't going to like finding out about it when Nix laid it out in plain terms. She had noticed this sudden tension, and now she did sit, 
considering her words carefully. The blood moon, she said finally. Talon swallowed. The blood moon was the name of the slaving ship they had taken down all those years ago. It was the mission that had made Talon's name as a dragon commander, worthy of the reputation Team Nine had possessed even before he was a part of it. It was also the first mission where he'd lost a dragon on his team, not because they'd died in combat, but because what they had done had broken their spirit. Kate Williams had been one of the most honorable soldiers Talon had ever met, and when he left, well, it was easy to question your decisions when your soldiers broke from following your orders. Talon told himself he'd made his peace with it, but he was beginning to wonder if it was really true. But what he thought about it wasn't really the question here. Why had Nix brought it up? What about it? He asked her. I still regret it. She did him the favor of being blunt. I still wonder what chances we missed. If we'd taken more time, if we'd found a way to get them off the ship and take the syndicate down. Made sense every step of the way until we were there, and then it was a nightmare. I heard you two arguing about it on the bridge, and I... Talon could not look away from her. They'd never spoken about this, the two of them. Nix had accompanied him to Seneca, part of his command crew, never complaining that her career was on the line for a decision he'd made while she wasn't even in the room. She'd backed him up when the senators tried to divide them, and she'd explained the mission starkly enough that more than a few people walked away. She had backed him up when the senators tried to divide them, and she'd explained the mission starkly enough that more than a few people walked away with a new appreciation of just how ugly it could get on remote planets and just why the dragons existed. He'd been glad to have her there with him. He was surprised, now, to remember that they had not even discussed their testimony as they traveled back to give it. He'd had no doubt that she would tell the truth, and she hadn't come to him about it. She didn't look at him now. She was lost in memory. I was glad I didn't have to make the call, she said finally. I was glad I wasn't where you were. I was glad I wasn't where Cade was. I was so ashamed of that. I went into that Senate hearing thinking, don't ask me what I would have done. Would you have made a different call? It doesn't matter. She still would not look at him. She looked down at her hands instead, at the calloused fingertips and the faint scars that had accumulated over the years. What matters is I wasn't prepared to make one. That's why I can't forgive myself. That's why I'm afraid of what to do if they offer me a command. Talon leaned his elbows on his knees and his chin on his hands. I've never seen you waver. In battle, you make calls when you have to. It only takes once. She looked haunted. You didn't hesitate on the blood moon. There's a difference, Talon said, into the quiet, between doubting and hesitating. He considered, not doubting, knowing you might regret something. And you just stop thinking and do it. She nodded after a moment. Can I ask, what changed this time? Just one too many missions, or what? It's not that. It's, uh... He closed his eyes and saw Jacinta's face. She was haunting him. They weren't afraid to die this time. That's new. It's dangerous. His hands clenched. And he doesn't deserve it. Of all the people in the fucking universe, the warlord of Emer, that's who she was dying for? I thought I knew what I needed to know about him, but it's clear I don't. Something isn't adding up. So you're going to go talk to Soros? She was withdrawn. Go on, tell me it's a bad idea. Everyone thinks so. Unexpectedly, her face split in a grin. If we were a font of good ideas, we wouldn't have joined the dragons. You don't get to be a dragon with an especially well-developed sense of self-preservation. Talon gave a bark of laughter. It's not doing it that I disapprove of, or even telling Lizady. You shocked Mars, though, showing her those briefs. Kiddo asked me if he normally showed her classified things. And you said? 
that when it came to Lizzie, classified meant about five minutes more work before she knew it. Nix's smile was lazy, and that she's one of the good ones. I don't think he believed me. He'll learn. Talon had only been about halfway through the first mission he'd commanded when he realized he needed more information than intelligence could give him. And back to the point, you don't object to me doing this or telling her, but... But maybe you shouldn't broadcast it. She met his gaze. You go into intelligence and say that it's going to be all around the department in weeks, all around the dragons, all around their information brokers, most likely. And you don't know where the warlord has ears. You know as well as I do that when that carrier went down, it wasn't an accident. He's got resources we can't begin to guess at. Everyone knows he killed Hoa. Hoa was James Hoa, Alexander Soros's predecessor. He'd been a good man and a good spy. And after the Navy had nearly taken back Ymir, he'd been found murdered in brutal enough fashion that most of the rest of intelligence leadership had resigned. The agents, however, insisted that the most horrifying thing about his murder had been that anyone had been able to get the drop on him at all. Whoever it was, they said, must have been superhuman and stalking him for a very long time. It was impossible that anyone else could have taken him out. Figuring out his resources will be step one then. Talon pressed his palms together. Look, I know it doesn't make sense, but you don't have to justify yourself to me. I'm going to anyway. I need someone to tell me if I'm being dumb as hell. And I know it doesn't make sense, but Soros took over intelligence when no one else would. That means he isn't scared by what happened, or at least he thinks it's worth doing anyway. I think he's sitting on some intel. He doesn't want to send us to a certain death. And that's where you think you're taking us now, she said quietly. No. Maybe. Talon considered. Would you follow me if I was? If you think we'll win, yeah. You sure? Yeah. She smiled. Not saying I wouldn't prefer a less lethal mission, but if that's how it has to go down, then that's how it has to go down. That's what Tercy said, too. That's the team you built, boss. She pushed herself up. You should try to sleep. If you've made your decision, stop worrying about it. In the doorway, though, she paused. Boss? Still in there? I was hoping you'd talk me out of it. The admission surprised him. He hadn't known it until then. She paused. Because? Don't want to die? No one's going to think less of you for not running the op. Because it's the wrong decision. That was what had been eating at him. And fuck if I can figure out how. I can't figure out what else to do, but all of this is wrong. The way I'm going about it. He shook his head. I just can't think of a better way. And something needs to happen. Well, you know what they say. She raised an eyebrow. Mistakes have a way of making themselves real clear. Just keep an eye out. We'll just when the time comes. The door closed softly behind her, and Talon looked after her, his eyes focused in the middle distance. That was why he couldn't settle. It wasn't the right plan. His every instinct was screaming at him to walk away. The problem was, as Nix had mentioned, dragons didn't have a particularly good sense of self-preservation. In this chapter, we see Samara beginning to step out of Jacinta's shadow a bit. She's beginning to realize that the way Jacinta did things was perfectly okay, very reasonable. But Jacinta also isn't there anymore, and Samara's different perspective isn't necessarily bad. She's still in a place where she believes consciously that Arlen and Jacinta are the best leaders, but she's beginning to have more belief in her own opinions. And we also hear Aaron mentioned again. Not to be spoilery, but she might be just a little furious with Samara about how she escaped Ymir. You'll have to keep listening or 
reading, if you're reading, to learn more. One of the big shifts we see in this chapter, though, is that Talon is beginning to change as an individual. He thinks there was the sense that something about him had shifted while he wasn't looking. He's always been a get-it-done kind of person, but he's seeing changes in himself. And we see his continued understanding that something about this is not right. His brush with Jacinta is showing him that he's missing some very profound information, and that's difficult. It was difficult to write with me knowing what he didn't know, and it's difficult to read again, honestly. And as a side note, interacting with my own work like this, reading it aloud, is a surprisingly disconcerting experience. It really is entirely different as a way of seeing things, and I'm beginning to wonder if I shouldn't do this for every work in progress because I see the story from a slightly different angle. So next week, we will see more about Liam, and we also get to meet Alexander Soros and find out more about whether Talon's suspicions are correct, that uh, Soros has the information he needs but won't give it to him because of the odds of success. So, until next week. <laughs>